rising up, it's rising up all around. It's the end of the Lord's renown. It's rising up all around. It's the end of the Lord's renown. Together we Together we sing, everyone sing, holy as we enter into the house of the Holy Lord, enter into worship, into his courts, could we take this time right now to just come to his altar, come to his feet, and regardless of how our weeks have gone and what's been going on, can we just humbly come before him and say, Lord, I need you. Lord, my life needs you. And let's just lay down the sins at his feet and ask him to, to take those sins as he bears them on the cross for us so that we can come into this place and give him our full worship. So church at this time, can we just take this time to just be uh, a church that repents before the Lord and really asks for his blood to cover us and for the cross to be uh, our way to our Lord's Savior this morning. So let's just take this time and lift up that prayer.
Father, our community comes before you in repentance of the sins that we have committed this week. We acknowledge that our human nature too many times gets in the way from surrendering our lives to you. Lord, our weaknesses can only be overcome with the power of Christ. And we humbly ask that your strength be poured upon our community so that through your blood we can be sanctified. May we trust and believe in the power of the cross to redeem us so that we may stand firm in our faith to worship and glorify our God this morning. Would you be glorified and would you be worshipped? In your name we pray. In his 
church as we continue to worship this morning, if we believe that, if we believe that God is able and we have the faith in him, to trust in him in our lives and trust in the gospel and the truth, can we come with a thankful heart this morning? a thankful heart for what he has done for us on the cross. So let's just continue our worship this morning by coming before him and bringing that thankful heart into this time of worship, having that joy in our hearts for who he is. Jesus Christ, I think upon your sacrifice, became nothing, poured out to death. Many times I've wondered at your gift of life, I'm in that place once again. in that place once again once again I look upon the cross where you died I'm humbled by your mercy and I'm broken inside once again I thank you once again I pour out my life Now you are, now you are, exalted to the highest place, King of the heavens, for one day I'll bow, but for now, I marvel at this saving grace, and I'm full of Once again I look upon the cross where you died I'm humbled by your mercy and I'm broken inside And once again I thank you Once again I pour out my life And once again I look upon the cross where you again I look the cross where you died I'm humbled by your mercy and I'm broken inside once again I thank you once again I pour out my life so at this time church if we can join our hearts together in congregational prayer.
Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you with reverence and awe, for you are our creator. You give us life and breath. We know your mercy and love as clearly revealed in the scriptures and demonstrated through the life and sacrifice of Jesus Christ, your son. We thank you for his blood shed for us on the cross that removes all our guilt and shame. We thank you for his resurrected life and the hope that it, is, has, that it has been printed in our hearts and minds. Father God, though we are called by your name, we confess that we have stumbled and at times we have rebelled against you and the truth of your word. We have sinned against you and hurt those around us. Forgive us, Father, in your love and mercy. Father God, we pray for those in this church who are feeling burdened, overwhelmed by circumstances or thoughts. We pray for an infilling of hope, peace, and joy, and the knowledge that you are near, that you rescue all who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus. Father God, this morning we pray for all who serve in this church, we pray for the servant leaders, that they would persevere in their faith and service, keeping their eyes on you, Lord, and continually drawing from your strength to love and serve wholeheartedly. We pray for all who serve the global church, and in particular, we pray for the people of India and the pastors and churches that we've, we have been able to partner with there. We ask for a deepening of their relationship with you, Father God, so that they may walk faithfully in your name and continue the work that you are doing in India. We thank you this morning for this time of worship. We thank you that we can gather as a church community to celebrate who you are and what you have done and are doing in our lives, that we are being transformed more and more into the likeness of Christ by your grace and mercy. We thank you for enabling Pastor Jason to prayerfully prepare the message this morning we ask that you empower him to speak your truth today. Help us to hunger for your word in our lives and at this time to humble ourselves to receive the message. May the word be planted deep into our hearts and minds that we would nurture it so that it would grow and bear much fruit in our lives. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. Good morning, church. Uh, as we um, stand before the Lord, uh, let us read the scripture. Uh, today's word is found in the book of Nahum, chapter 1. We'll be reading from verse 2 to 8. So Nahum, chapter 1, from verse 2 to 8. Let us read together. The Lord is a jealous and avenging God. The Lord is avenging and wrathful. The Lord takes vengeance on his adversaries and keeps wrath for his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power, and the Lord will by no means clear the guilty. His way is in whirlwind and storm. The clouds are the dust of his feet. He rebukes the sea and makes it dry. He dries up all the rivers, Passion and caramel wither. The bloom of Lebanon withers. The mountains quake before him. The hills melt. The earth heaves before him. The world and all who dwell in it. 
Who can stand before his indignation? Who can endure the heat of his anger? His wrath is poured out like fire, and the rocks are broken into pieces by him. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who take refuge in him. But with an overflowing flood, he will make a complete end of the adversaries and will pursue his enemies into darkness. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. So we've been going through Minor Prophets, and today uh, the seventh book, uh, which is the book of Nahum, and uh, the title of today's message is called Returning to God of All Comfort. So God comforts those who are weak and oppressed. The reality of this world um, is that the people usually uh, often side with people who are powerful, who have a power, a privilege, and position in their lives. Uh, we get drawn to people who have influence over our lives. But one thing that is really comforting uh, to all of us is that God never takes one side. Uh, God looks at the whole picture. And God often sees people who are being neglected, powerless, and oppressed by those who have a power and privilege. And what we need to understand is that rather than for us to be siding with the one side, we need to look at the Scripture. And the Scripture gives us a perspective to see everything that God does. And it is true, even in the world, that people who are being neglected and abused by people, and yet God sees them and God cares for them. And that becomes comforting news for all of us. We know that Jesus came to proclaim the message that comforts those who are being oppressed by people as well. So the name, the meaning of this prophet Nahum uh, itself is a comforter. Uh, so Nahum was preaching the message of God's judgment and God's punishment, and yet underneath the foundation, the core value of it is all about God who comforts. As we know, the book of Nahum was written in B.C. 621 to 612 when uh, Josiah was the king of southern part of Judah. And looking at the historical background during that time, the Nineveh was the capital city of Assyria. And Assyria was the most powerful nation during that time. So Assyria came down and they destroyed northern part of Israel. And now they're about to even destroy and conquer southern part of Judah. So Assyrian during that time was untouchable. Uh, they were well-trained even from youth. Uh, they didn't rely upon uh, farming or even fishery. And all they did was they were professional fighters. So even from kindergarten, you know, they would train all the men how to kill people. So they were like killing machines. So they were trained, well-trained to just go into the battle and give their lives and fight and to conquer other nations. And it was 
so evil and wicked uh, to the point where they will invade into other country and they will ki kill the king and they will make princes to hang their father's head on their neck. Or they will chop all the heads and then make a pyramid and cut into the pieces of their body and then give to the animal. And how wicked, uh, evil uh, that they were uh, sinning against the Lord. And when they invaded the northern part of Israel, they wanted to take away identity of the people so that they scatter all the people to other nations and they'll bring foreigners and other women and then force them to have a mixed racial marriage so that the Israelites will not have their religious identity. And that's why the Jews were blaming or they were, um, you know, putting down of Samaritans because Samaritans during that time, they left the Lord and they've been compromised by Assyrian. But how does it really comfort all of us? This message about Ninevites and also Assyrian that God is going to judge and punish. How is it really comforting to those who are reading the scripture? The number one, that the point is that God warns about abuse power. Yes, it is true that God gives us power, influence, with a purpose of glorifying God. And God has given a power to Adam and Eve. It's called empowerment, delegation, so that they will receive authority of God, so that they will exert and they will exercise in order to declare who God is. But we as a human being, we're sinful and broken. Instead of using our power for the glory of God, we begin to use our power for our own establishment, our own security. And as we put other people down, we elevate ourselves. Look at Genesis chapter 4, verse 17. It says, Cain, after he murdered his own brother, he left the presence of the Lord and he built the wall. For himself. So he began to use his power to build his own wall, security. And chapter 4, verse 22 says, The tube of Cain, the descendants of Cain, start making instruments and also weapons with the bronze and iron. I mean, Genesis chapter 4, so all his families and relatives, and yet somehow he wanted to become more powerful to put other people down and to rule to take control, and that is a reality of our sinful nature. When God has given us a power, privilege, for us to exercise, to glorify God, and yet somehow we take that power into our own establishment, begin to put other people down, and elevating ourselves. So we see that throughout the history. Medieval times, even church exerting the power to oppress people. In your company, it is the same. You know, people who have a position, they want to exert the power to take control, to have a security. We see the news, there's a power struggle constantly going on between United States and uh, China. Information power between United States and Russia. Nuclear weapon. And all these things are the consequences of human nature, that we want to somehow have 
more power to elevate or to have security. So that when we are disconnected from God, and when we start using the power for ourselves, we begin to abuse other people. Isn't it true that we, many of us, we experience abuse power in our lives? Some of us, maybe we grow up under abuse authority. Even physical abuse, emotional, verbal abuse, whether it is from home, whether it is even from church. That when God has given church spiritual authority, and yet somehow that spiritual authority is being compromised, that we experience brokenness. The whole thing about Me Too movement right now, the people who are powerful, influential in their politics, entertainment, the movie, poetry, art, even church. There's so many people that who've been abusing their power, it's been revealed. And sometimes we abuse also those who are weak. Maybe many parents that were guilty of abusing our privilege as a parents. Maybe not physically we're abusing our children, but sometimes verbally, emotionally. Even as a church, church leader, sometimes we abuse our authority, whether we are deacons or elders or even pastors. We hear the news. Very influential pastor recently, now resigning but getting fired by abusing his spiritual authority. When God has given us a privilege and yet somehow when we use it for ourselves, do we end up abusing power and start oppressing other people? So what is God doing? In the midst of all this, when people who are being oppressed and going through suffering, what, does, what is God doing? And that's why the book of Nahum is becoming comforting news because what God is saying is that I will not leave those who are abusing the power alone. In verse 2, it says, Lord is a jealous and avenging God. The Lord is avenging and wrathful. The Lord takes vengeance on his adversaries and keeps wrath for his enemies. Therefore, what God is saying is that, you know what, when we are being oppressed, when we are being hurt, do not take matters into your own hands. That God is watching. God is searching. And in his own timing, in his own way that he will deal with those who are oppressing other people. But it becomes a problem when we try to do it on our own, when we try to take revenge on our own. We place our own selves in a danger. We end up also abusing other people as well. Because we have our emotion, we have our own hurt as well. But God is a judge, and God knows exactly everything that is going on so that when he deals, he deals fairly. And his judgment is always fair. Therefore, what God is saying is that, you know what? I am 
the God who searched through everything. I know what is going on, and I am going to deal with it. Trust me. Brothers and sisters, is there any Assyrian in your life? Or maybe some of us, we are like acting like Assyrian into other people's lives. That we have hurt and abused people and those who are around us. But this message is also a warning message for us because God sees everything. But there's another comforting fact in today's passage is that God's character and judgment always in line. So there is a consistency between God's character and God's judgment. So that his punishment, his judgment always come out of his character, who he is. It is always in line. So that he does not just judge or condemn spontaneously or out of this emotional reaction. And maybe some, sometimes we experience uh, such discipline from our parents, but that we have no idea where that's coming from. And if you are like someone like, uh, someone like me, I mean, maybe those of you who grew up in Canada, you cannot relate, but I grew up in Korea until junior high. I got hit all the time by my teachers. It's like collectivism culture. Even, even if I didn't do anything wrong, if my classmate does something wrong, then our whole class will be disciplined. You know, sometimes teachers will hit your head, just kick you. Like sometimes like teachers upset. Maybe he had a fight with his wife. You know, he would come in, he would be mad, and he would just so volatile. You know, sometimes it's like you get punished like for no reason. Like, where is this coming from, right? Maybe some of us, we experienced that. Like, your father or your mother got upset. You know, maybe store was not doing well. And maybe they had something in their work. They just come and just, you know, just blow up. And then the comforting fact is that God is never like that. You know, his punishment, yes, it is, it, he is he's judging God. It's punishment that we experience, but is always consistent with his character. We know God's character. He's God of grace. But on the other hand, we know that God is God of justice as well. So God, even though the Ninevites and Assyrians, they were evil, they were wicked, out of his character, he's so consistent that God has given the Ninevites opportunity to repent. Even before Nahum was sent, we know 100 years prior to that, God already sent another prophet, Jonah. So Jonah went to Nineveh and preached that God is, punish, God is going to punish them. And what did they do? They repent before the Lord. Even though God wanted to punish, and they repented before the Lord, they were praying, they were fasting as a nation, so God forgave them. You see, that's God's character. Even though they're Gentiles, even though they're wicked, 
evil people, if they repent genuinely, sincerely, that God will forgive. You see, his punishment is always in line, consistent with his character. So God has blessed the Syrian. They experience prosperity, but without money, prosperity, what do they do? They build their, na their nation even more wicked. They prepare to fight in a war, and they conquer northern part of Israel. They conquer southern part of Judah. They became hardened after experiencing forgiveness. And probably many of us, we can relate to that. We know that God is forgiving God. And somehow we start take, taking his forgiveness for granted. Oh, God will forgive us. It's like a kid, you know, who stole like $10 from parents. And you forgive. Oh, cool. Mommy and daddy will forgive. You end up stealing $100. As we experience God's grace and forgiveness, rather than coming back before the Lord and return to the heart of God, sometimes we take that for granted and then we sin greater. We sin more, assuming that, you know what, God will forgive. And that's what happened to a Syrian. Yes, God forgives. So instead of repenting before the Lord, this time when Prophet Nahum was preaching, they fail to repent. You know what? That's not going to happen. We are stronger than 100 years ago. We are more powerful. People are trembling in fear. We are untouchable. So they stood against God. And since Lewis said, you know what? God is patient, but God is not pushover. Dear congregation members, God is so kind. He is good. He's patient, but he's not pushover. That's why in verse 3 says, The Lord is slow to anger and great in power, and the Lord will by no means clear the guilty. Meaning, you know what? He is slow to anger. He will wait. He will be so patient to you, you and me. But there's a limit. We have to understand the side of God, that God is God of justice. God is God of wrath. He gives us window of opportunity for us to repent before the Lord out of his character. Even if we're evil, even if we sin against God just like a Syrian, he will give us opportunity for us to respond and repent. God sent Jesus Christ so that, that we will receive him as a Lord and Savior. Yes, Jesus was the King of kings and Lord of the lords, and yet he came to serve. We, we know that Jesus is so gentle. And then we have to understand the scripture is clear that Jesus is the ultimate judge as well. So we love that part of Jesus. Jesus loving God, kind, patient, but Oftentimes, we neglect Jesus being the judge. So Jesus said when he came, repent. The kingdom of God is here. 
Even Peter, in book of Acts chapter 2, verse 38, says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see, that message is comforting for those who repent and being forgiven and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It is comforting news. It is a gospel. And yet, on the other hand, for those who not repent, those who stand against God and do not have a gift of the Holy Spirit, it's a gift, it's a message of warning. Maybe some of us, we are going through experience of God's punishment, not having joy of salvation, not having spirit-filled life in your life. And it is the consequences of not receiving Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life. But those who receive Jesus Christ were being regenerated by the power of the Holy Spirit that we experience such gift. And so that when we Sin against God, the Holy Spirit speaks to us and saying, you know what, come back to me. Return to me. And we begin to understand his character and we also begin to imitate his character in our everyday life. We begin to understand his grace, but also we begin to understand his justice. Our character also become like God's character in our everyday life. But however, who refuse to do that, at the end of the day, we are standing against God. We become his enemy. Chapter 2, verse 13 says, Behold, I am against you, declares the Lord of hosts, and I will burn your chariots in smoke, and the sword shall devour your young lions. I will cut up your prey from earth, and the voice of your messenger shall no longer be heard. It is scary when God is against you. And the scripture says that we are standing against God when we fail to repent. And what he's saying is that when we abuse God's privilege, when we abuse power, God always gives us opportunity for us to repent and return before the Lord. But when we fail to do that and God gives us opportunity, what happens? It says everything that you have, it will fall apart. The Assyrian build the most powerful wall and castle, the kingdom, and yet later on when they fail to repent before the Lord, everything gets collapsed. It gets destroyed by Babylon. And isn't that what we see in newspaper? The people who are so powerful, influential, untouchable, amazing people that we thought, you know what? Things fall apart. Things collapse. You think that happened like overnight? I don't think so. God speaks to them. Gives them an opportunity. You know what? Come back to me. Repent. I have given you power. I have given you relationship. I have given you privilege to raise children, to exercise your position, to bless other people. 
And that's not the way that I want you to use. And God gives us opportunity to repent and ask for forgiveness. And yet, when we stand against God again and again and again, later, when the timing comes, God reveals. Things fall apart. There is no one who can stand against God. But on the other hand, what God is saying is that when you run to me, I will comfort you. When you run to me, I will take care of you. When you run to me, I will be your shelter. Dear congregation members, how would you respond today? Are you going to run to God of grace or are you going to stand against God of justice? Well, God is saying, when you run to me, I will comfort you. I will restore you. The last point that I want to share with you is that God always demonstrates his power for true peace. You see, when me exercise our power we exercise for our own but god does always for peace so god comforts judah your congregation members god listens to our cry when we are hurt we may have been oppressed the most powerful nation Assyria falls apart, a collapse before the eyes of God. Chapter 3, verse 13 says, Behold, your troops are women in your midst. The gates of your land are wide open to your enemies. A fire has devoured your bars. No offense to women, but during that time, you know, they were just, you know, training men to be killing machines, like I mentioned. But they will be weak. They will just collapse. Even the Gentiles, their fate of nation is under God's sovereignty. There is no power in the world can stand against the power of God. That God would cut off those power, God, God will cut off those influence when they stand against God and God will release those who are being oppressed. God will free those. In chapter 1, verse 13 says, and now, and now I will break his yoke from up you and will burst your bonds apart. I will free those. And that is a peace of God. So chapter 1, verse 15 continues on. Behold, upon the mountains, the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace. Keep your feast, O Judah. Fulfill your vows, for never again shall the worthless pass through you, his early cut off. So that God is promising his people that I am going to give you peace. 
So in verse 7, the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who take refuge in him. And we know that Jesus ultimately comes as the refuge and the shelter of God. What he's saying is that those who run to Jesus, they will truly experience the true peace. I'll free those who are being oppressed in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is the comforting news for all of us. So Jesus came as the King of Kings. Jesus had all the power. Jesus had all the privilege. Jesus had all the authority. And yet we see the comforting fact that Jesus used all of his power to restore. Jesus ex exert his power to bring peace between God and mankind and amongst one another. So those who run to Jesus, those who have Jesus as the Lord and Savior, we begin to have his character in us so that everything that we have, our power, privilege, position, instead of using it to exert for our own selves, instead of abusing others, we begin to bring peace to one another. So that even in your marriage, instead of doing power struggle. See, even in friendship, even in relationship, we see that all the time, you know, who wins, who's stronger. But those who are in Jesus Christ, we begin to serve one another, we experience that peace in that marriage. Even at church, when we make decisions, you know, there are conflicts. Not so much in our church, but I hear that. You know, some other churches, like, are we going to have a soup? Are we going to have a donut? At the end of the day, it's not about donut. It's not about soup, but it's about I wanted it. I suggest how dare you oppose. I've been here longer. I've been serving longer. How dare you not to recognize When I heard the news, uh, one of the influential pastors recently had to be fired because he's been abusing his spiritual authority. Not money scandal, not sex scandal, but power abuse. I was like. But on the other hand, I'm supposed to say, and I hope you understand my character and my personality. But sometimes I, I can understand. That's our human desire. You know what? I've been here. I've been serving here for 15 years. And there are things that, like, you know, I really want to do with our congregation members. And when there's so many, you know, complaint or negative spirit or, like, comparison, sometimes I may feel like, you know what? Why can't they just follow? There's a temptation. As a father, as a mother... Those of you who've been, who've been serving faithfully in your work, we have temptation. But the question is, during that time, are we going to take that 
for ourselves or are we going to surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ? When you're parenting, yes, you want the best for your children. But are you going to surrender that to Christ and bring experience peace in your relationship or are you going to exert the power somehow for your own? You see, we're always at crossroads whether we're going to abuse and hurt one another or are we going to experience peace. So what God is saying is that when you have power, when you have influence, use it for peace. Because when you start using it for your own self, ultimately, at the end of the day, you will lose it. And I believe that God has given our generation and our congregation members amazing privilege Capacity, influence. But the question is, are you going to use it for your own good? Or are you going to use it for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and reveal the gospel of peace in your everyday life? Let's pray. As we reflect upon today's message, maybe some of us, we experience abuse power. Maybe it was physical, emotional, spiritual, verbal, whatever that is. It is comforting because God knows that we are hurt, we are wounded. And God is going to deal with those who have hurt us in his way. We just need to trust rather than bitterness and resentment and hatred brought our soul. We need to just come before the Lord and trust him. Unless we deal with the Lord, what ends up happening is that we also become hurtful to others. Brothers and sisters, God is speaking to us out of his character. And God gives us opportunity to repent, come back before him. If God spoke to even Nineveh, a Syrian, the wicked, evil people, how much more that he will speak to you? He's slow to anger. God is giving you opportunity so that you can experience forgiveness and restoration. Do not stand against God. Come back before him and surrender. Acknowledge so that the God will turn that into peace in your life. So let's spend some time 
reflecting and praying before the Lord, responding through prayer. Let's pray. And if there's any area that you feel that like you need to deal with the Lord, uh, just acknowledge when you run to Jesus. Uh, Jesus is a Prince of Peace. He's the only one who will bring a true peace in our lives. So let us bring our burden, our hurts, our wounds before His feet. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, Lord, that you are a God of comfort. That you comfort those who are hurt. But on the other hand, that you're also God who warns against those who abuse. And as your spirit your word convict our hearts to return to you, to repent and to surrender. Lord, may your spirit work through our hearts so that we can experience a true peace in our lives and in our everyday relationship. Father, thank you so much, Lord, for giving us the influence, position, privilege. Lord, with that, help us to pursue your character so that we can be a channel of your blessing in your gospel. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So at this time, let's give our offering.